Welcome to another episode of Eat, Chit, and Dice, a fortnightly podcast about board games, and we're actually going to talk about food this week. Uh, I'm John D, and with me as always is... It's me, Jared. What are we talking about this week, Jared? Um, we are talking about the best uh, the, the best little convention in the Midwest, I- IMO, Geekway to the West. Right. If you've never listened to, the, to this podcast before, here's everything you need to know. I'm Jared. That's Jondi. And that's it. That's all you need yeah. to know. Geekway um, is a... <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to go into talking about Geekway, but instead I started saying a different thing right. and just kept going, just right, barreled right. right through it. We do that. Yep. So, yeah, Geekway is a, I would say, um, small to mid-size convention. Yeah. Takes place in a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri. Yes. And it is a very, it's an open format convention there's not a lot of scheduled events there's a few scheduled events but it's mostly just an open gaming format where people do play to wins and check out games from the library and there's just like an entire convention center of tables where people sit and play games yeah so what i meant to say is if you've never been to geekway before (laughs) but uh oops didn't didn't say that did i uh yeah geekway is it's super chill you know, I feel like some of the bigger conventions, it's just a lot of running around trying to get to events or standing in lines to hopefully maybe get a chance to buy the game that everybody else is trying to buy. Right. Geekway doesn't have that. Well, a lot of the conventions I've attended for work are not like that, but, you know, like Origins right. and Gen Con definitely yeah. uh, suffer from that a little bit. Yes. Origins less so than Gen Con, but yeah. Um, the smaller to medium-sized conventions are the ones that seem to be you know, more intimate. And Geekway being an open format really gives people the opportunity to just play games, maybe meet new people to play games with, mm-hmm. and discover new games that they might not have discovered before because of the play to win. Right. Play and, to win. And Geekway has like, what, 20 vendors? Uh, no, there's probably about 40 in there. 40? Okay. So, I mean, a lot less than a lot of the larger conventions. Yeah. And you see most of the smaller uh, publishers there. Mm-hmm. You, like you don't see the big guys. Yeah. Indie boards and cards slash stronghold. It's probably the biggest the name. Biggest, yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest name that, the, that what, is What's there. their new company? The merch company um, called? Indie Game Studios. Indie Game Studios. Okay. Yeah. And then Miniature Market, which is one of the larger online retailers, has a presence there. Right. And their new retail store is about 20 minutes from there. Mm-hmm. Apparently a lot of people were... Heading over, check that out during Geekway. Yep, and we did not go there. I mean, I've been there. To the new one? Yeah, I've been to the new one, yeah. I have not, but I've heard it's really nice. It's, um, it's, it's nicer than their previous store, which was just a warehouse. Well, yeah, the previous one was just, like, the front of the warehouse where they were selling Ding and Dents. Yeah. Um, The one before that was, was definitely just uh, the front of the warehouse. Right. And they used to do warehouse tours and they used to be like, okay, you want this game? You can go back into the warehouse and get it yourself, which uh, is pretty cool. But uh, at the same time, probably not safe. Right. Right. Uh, I'm told they house the Geekway library when Geekway's not going on. They do. They have a room where they just have um, just a, a room full of totes, which is what the library is stored in. Right. Right. And so uh, and the library is open to people to play year round. So yeah, and they have they uh, have a, they have a library, events. and and they also have their own small library. Yeah. I think yeah. So, and and they do a lot of events, which mm-hmm. is really cool. And um, 
you know, if you're ever in the St. Louis area, go check it out. Yeah, I mean, the St. Louis area really has a lot uh, to offer in the board game community. Um, there's a there's a really cool board game cafe yeah, there. Yeah, pieces. Uh, there is. Have you been there? Miniature market. Yeah, I have not. No? I have not okay. been there. Okay. Uh, well, I've, I've seen <laughs> I've seen pictures of it. I've heard people talk about it. Yeah. And so there's that. A lot of the people that work in the industry, there's quite a few like small companies based out yes. of St. Louis. So there's a really good community of gamers there. It's like St. Louis is a huge city or something. I know, right? Hmm. Well, okay. So that's enough. People know what St. Louis is. If they've never heard of St. Louis. It's the gateway to fun. Uh, sure. Okay. Well, uh, I totally okay. you, off. you really did. You really, really did. Wow. Okay, Jondi. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to move to the next part of this. Yeah. Go this for it. Outline. So the, the big thing at, at Geekway and some of the smaller conventions is the library or the play to win games. And this year, I'm not going to go through everything that Geekway had for the, for the play to win games. I'm just going to talk about what games, some of the games that I played. Johnny's going to talk about some of the games that she played. I didn't have nearly as many opportunities as Jared did. Yeah, you were doing other stuff. I was doing other stuff, and I you know, had a booth to run during the day. So. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I played Tiny Towns, one of the newer games from AEG. I saw a lot of pictures um, popping up on Instagram of people playing that at Geekway. Yeah, it's not a terrible game. It has some variable setup um, because you don't use all the cards that are in there. You, so it's it's a it's a pattern building game, which seems to be the new thing. So your town is represented by uh, a grid. You've got a four by four grid, and you put resource cubes on them in specific layouts to build specific buildings. So. The ones that we had, I've been led to believe, are going to be different if you play it, because you'll have, you'll shuffle them, you use only one card per type. So, you know, we had um, a shed was one of the small buildings that you could build, but you also could have built a well if you'd use different cards. So stuff like that. The problem, the big problem with this game is if you look at the front of the box, it looks like it's super cute. It's billed as this tiny town that's set in the forest with small creatures of the woods that live there. The game has nothing. It's nothing. Like, it's a real missed opportunity. Like, instead of a fountain, say you're building a bird bath. Or instead of like, oh, it's it's a silo, a grain silo. No, no, acorn storage. Like, come on. Come on, AEG. You took, honestly, what is a really bland abstract game and slapped a theme on it haphazardly and said, ah, you're, you're forest animals building a house. But that theme doesn't come across in the game at all. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of games out there that are somewhat solid games, but then they throw like crappy themes on or or not well thought out themes on them that don't work with the game. And then you're just like, well, now, I, I mean, I really enjoyed the game. I thought it was fun, but the theme does not come across at all. There's just, so it's really just an abstract with uh, yeah. a very yeah. light implied theme. Yeah, because, okay, so let me let me pull up one of these cards here. So if you, let's say you're trying to build, um, and I didn't have this one, uh, you're trying to build a shed. So you have one brown cube, which is wood, and one gray cube, which is stone. 
at what does that have to do with animals? Or the, the exact same pattern. Maybe you've shuffled the cards differently and you have the well. Okay. Or a millstone or a fountain. I mean, well, so then you they don't have anything be, to do with animals. You're not necessarily animals building your house. Like I, right. I get that they're personified animals, but it really could be a factory. Johnny, one of the cards that you can build is a factory. Uh, well, so I can kind of see personified animals. Like, uh, think about, um, uh, what's the movie with all the animals? Um, the most, the one, uh, that everybody had secret the, life of pets. No, I have no it's idea. the one that had the slots in it. And are, I cannot, you, you're good. It's a are you cartoon. About Zootopia. Yes. Okay. They have a big city. So animals like that would be building a factory and stuff. I, I mean, I guess so. But at the same time, this could have been, yeah, it could have been 1900s farmers. Yeah. I mean, it could have, they could have really gone all in with, yeah. I get what you're saying. Like they could have gone all in with like this tiny little, um, animal kingdom ish yeah. thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. I'm just, I'm just for, for playing devil's advocate and pointing out that they could be personified animals that are building a tiny version of a human town. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what it is. So the, the game's not bad. It's definitely great and a lot of fun, but eh, I don't know. The themes, the themes really nothing. Leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. yeah. Having said that, I will probably pick this game up because I did enjoy it. I had fun. It just, it, it's nothing. I mean, it's a pattern building game. You're, you're, you're just building the patterns and that's it. So I don't know. It it was very it was very a dry theme, as you know, people say. Right. Okay, John D, would you like to pick one of your games? Why, sure. I played well, we both played Bambolio. Yes. Which I think this is the second year you've played it at Geekway. Mm-hmm. And you, During fancy gaming. Yes. And you acquired a copy as well. And this year I... Yes. At Gen Con last year in the um, auction. Yeah. The and auction room. This year I ended up with the people that were playing Bambolio, so I gave it a shot. So it's it's basically this plate that's balancing on top of a little tiny column with a ball on top of it. Mm-hmm. And the plate, lots of, they look like building blocks, basically. Like kids' building blocks are scattered around the top of the plate. There are two colors. There's black ones and red ones. The black ones are more dense than the red ones, so they're heavier. And in theory, harder to pick up because they're balancing the plate more so than the red ones might be. And on your turn, all you do is take a block off and hope that you don't knock the whole thing down. Yep. And uh, that's it. It's fun. It's it's a dexterity game, and you know it it takes like five minutes to play one game because it doesn't take very long before somebody like Johnny um, takes a block mm-hmm. off that was totally the wrong the wrong choice. Yes, Johnny. Now, for for people that have never seen a scale before, um, which side is usually heavier, the the one that's on the bottom or the one that's on the top? The one on the bottom. Right. <laughs> Right. There, there were a few turns where Johnny was going for a piece that was on the lighter end that would have made the situation worse. And we were like, Johnny, remember how physics works? Yeah, but the ones on the bottom were all like 
really heavy blocks that yeah. you can't grab a hold of. This. The triangles are like impossible to pick up. <laughs> yes, they are. And it That's was the difficulty. Always, it was always all those on the bottom. And I knew if I tried to pick up one of those, I was definitely knocking the thing down because yeah. I'd end up picking it up slightly and then I'd end up dropping it. Oh, I mean, that's the fun, right? That's the fun in these kind of games. Right. right. You have to. I will post a video, balance. a very short video on our Instagram of some playthrough. I don't think I have any of Jared playing, but I do have one of of me on one of the few times I didn't knock it down. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know that Bambolio is even available anymore. You have to find used copies. Yeah, and I feel like I, you do. I'm not necessarily sure that I would call it a game so much as an activity, but it's right. a super fun activity. So... And you can play it basically with a large group, like at a party or something, because there's really no limit on the number of people that you play it with. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, it's not you're right. It's not really a game, but it is a lot of fun. I, I, I mean, you could make your own. You would just need some wood. Right. And um, if you go to Board Game Geek and you type in Bambolio, someone has uploaded like a picture of all the shapes with the um like the weights in grams so you could even bootleg it pretty easily if you really really wanted to but by the time you do all that you can just go to amazon and get it for 70 dollars. you could do that i guess if you want to support you know board game manufacturers right yeah but yeah bimbolio is a lot of fun yeah i enjoyed it for what it is it's not it's not Got a lot of gameplay. You know, you pick up a piece and maybe immediately lose and yeah. have to put it back together. Yeah. I think part of the game is trying to get the plate to balance in the first place. That's true. That's true. It does have a limited appeal, which is why I, I will play it at Fancy Gaming for a few rounds and then I'm out. Right. I also played Gizmos from Cool Mini or Not. I'm sorry, Simon, as they're, it's not Cool Mini or Not anymore because they do other things. Right. I watched you play a little bit of it. Um, I am considering this to be a potion explosion killer. And I disagree because I think potion explosion still has as much of an audience because I think gizmos looks way too complicated for it, what it is. Well, I don't I don't know. So here's how the game works. Um, you've got a marble dispenser, as you do in potion explosion. And on your turn, you have a few options of what you can actually do. You can take a marble. You can take a like I guess a blueprint which you need the marbles to complete so whatever the the pattern is there that you have to do and the the main the main gameplay here is that certain things trigger other things so you may have a tile that you've built that when you take a blue marble it triggers so okay I take a blue marble, this thing triggers, I take a random marble from the top, or uh, I've built I've built a yellow recipe tile, so that triggers me to be able to draw a marble, and I draw a blue marble, which triggers the thing. So it's a more complicated version of Potion Explosion. I guess so. Because your potions and Potion Explosion show, can be used to do extra things, like when you take a you know, black marble, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So it's the same thing, but more complicated. Right. And that's Which, what I like. If I'm going to play that kind of game, like with a theme like that, I don't want complicated. That's fair, John D, but I do. 
So that's why I'm saying it's not a potion explosion killer because I think the people that like potion explosion are going to love are, gizmos and never want to play I potion disagree. explosion ever again. I absolutely agree with what you're saying, John D. I completely disagree with that. <laughs> I don't know. I really liked it. It is very hard to explain it, though. Watching, well, yeah, exactly. It's, and even watching you play, I barely, took me forever to figure out what you were doing, and I have zero interest in playing it after watching you play. Really? Really. Uh, I don't know. I, I think you would at least enjoy it a little bit. It's too complicated for what it is. Well, whenever I get it, because I will, I will be getting this. Whenever I get it, we'll play it. Maybe. And, well, John D., you have to at least try it. Now, th- this is a totally different level than than me trying to get you to play, you know, a, a seven hour long space game. Right. But there's a lot of games that are unplayed on my shelves. Why would I want to play one that I'm not <laughs> interested in at all? Uh, yeah, I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. I but mean, if if we're playing games together and that's your pick for a day then fine. Okay. But for the most part, I have a lot of games that on my list that I want to play. Yeah. And there's not enough time to even play those. So that one doesn't even make the list for me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, th- th- that's, that's fair. There are a lot of games that you like that I'm like, no, I'm never playing that. Like, right. I mean, there's no. some things End that we the just, line? no, never again. And that's fine. You know, you don't like take that games nearly as much as I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like games that, maybe have take that as a very minor mechanic. Right. And I like ones that are flat out mean games. Yeah, that's fair. So that's fair. Well, you know, I guess, uh, after Gen Con, we'll give it a shot. Maybe we'll see. Twist your arm. We'll see. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, after John D plays it, after I force her to play it and then we'll talk about it again. Because, uh, yeah, me, me just telling you about the game, there's a lot going on, and I don't feel like it's fair to say, like, okay, well, there's a, there's converters. You can convert. You yeah, can draw red marble and turn it into two red marbles. A lot going on, which it, what's term, turns me off. Because yeah. it's too... The concept of the game and the marble thing and the marble dispenser, it's... That, to me, is not the kind of game that should be complicated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Well, John D., what, what about this other game that you played that actually is complicated? Uh, which one? Uh, New Haven. All right. Well, we both played that one. Yeah. For, so that's actually one that we both played. <laughs> I think it's the only one we played together, actually. Um, no. No, we played a couple other games together, but we're not talking about them. Did we? Well, we played that one. New Haven. Well, yes, we played New Haven. And Pambolio. We played, right. And we also played that other one that we're not talking about that... We didn't play that together. We've just both well, played it. Well, no, no, no. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Well, it doesn't matter that you don't know which what I'm talking about that I'm thinking of. Because yeah, you I can't know. read my mind. Correct. So anyway, um, we played New Haven. It's from R&R Games. And I don't, I don't know what mechanic, like, theme you would put that into. Tile placement? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a tile placement. Yeah. Uh, basically... You are trying to build buildings into your town, and you do that by collecting specific resources Mm -hmm. and then placing those buildings onto like a grid board that you have in front of you. And things place on that board, if you've ever played um, Harvest Dice, things place on that board the way that you draw things onto Harvest Dice, like that you have to, once you put 
um, a certain type of building somewhere, you want you can only surround it by like buildings. Yeah. If you put one that's not like it, the only reason you're able, the only way you're able to do that is if uh, you don't have the second type of building somewhere else, or if there's nothing like it has to be out in the open. It can't be like I don't know. I'm not explaining it very well, but things place like they do in Harvest Dice. Uh, the way you collect the resources, I think, is really kind of cool. So you will play a tile, and that tile will have four resources on it. So say it's got, it's got like two stone, sheep, and one sheep, and one grain. Mm -hmm. You will take that tile and match it up to another tile or picture that's already on the board. And then you get, like, say I take the one sheep, and it's touching... Um, a line of like six sheep, then I get six sheep. Mm -hmm. And I will also get whatever else is just on the tile I placed. It, it can get very complicated. Like, it can. You I, really I have to. I towards the end of the game, it was like, all right, I play this here, and that's uh, 18 wood. Which it's meant to do that. Yes. Because uh, yeah. Yeah, so, towards the end of the game, you need to have those resources. Yeah, yeah. So what I think is really cool about that, there's a track on the board that you move the, the little... Um, cubes up to show how much you have. Yeah, those resource sharing. Yes. Yeah, because basically you use what you can and then you want to deplete the resources because if you deplete them, that's the only way you can draw more tiles or more resources that you can, or houses. That's what they are. It's the only way you can build more buildings. So I would say I've got like six sheep one stone and one grain and I'm only able to use two sheep and none of the rest of it then I'm going to go over here and say Jared can you use any of these right and if I use them and we get it down to zero Jondi gets a benefit from that right I get one new building a building tile that I can work on trying to get into my town uh, for each resource that got down to zero so if let's say uh, I've placed a tile and I've got six wood, three sheep. Oh, I can't use those three sheep. Johnny can't use those three sheep. So it stays at three and I don't get to draw anything for, for, for that for sheep. sheep. Cause you can draw if all four of those resource types are at zero, you get four new building tiles, right? Yes. yes. But um, yeah, if nobody can use the resource, well, you only you, get building tiles for whatever is at zero. It's entirely possible to that on your turn, anything. yeah, it's entirely possible. Yeah, which you try really hard to not do that. You like, there is some potential for analysis paralysis in the, this game because you can spend a lot of time like trying to plan out where you're going to put the tile and how many you'll get of stuff yeah. and is this other tile you have better. But honestly, and there's no reason to do that. Don't just just place some tiles. There's and no reason. Do your best. You can't control like okay, John D places a thing, and. Um, okay, well, she took the move that I was going to take, but that's okay because she got the resources that I was going to get anyway, and she can't use them. But, oh, the person sitting next to her before me used those resources, so now I can't use them. Well, I'm glad I planned my turn five turns in advance because, no, just don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. But it's a lot of fun. I, I actually liked I it quite a bit. I enjoyed it a lot. I brought home a copy, so. Yeah, cool, cool. It, it wasn't my favorite game that I played this weekend. I enjoyed but it, though. I, I, I started a second it. playthrough, even. Um, we just didn't have time to finish the second playthrough. But I, I enjoyed it. I would definitely play it again. Mm -hmm. It seems like a lot of games these days are, are tile placement, pattern recognition. 
almost it's a popular mechanic. Yeah, almost right all now. the games that I played that were new were that. So, like, okay, I've combined these two because I'm just going to talk about them together. Um, Railroad Inc. There's two different versions of that. There's a, a blue version and a red version, just like Pokemon. It's a dice rolling, roll and write, dry erase thing where you you roll the dice and they have either railroad tracks or roads or both and you draw them on your little your little sheet and you have to connect the exits the ins to the outs which is real hard to do by the I, way i remember that uh, i was at the next table over when you were playing that one and <laughs> you're both talking about how awful your Railroad lines were. Yeah. Have you ever been in the middle of downtown Chicago where the roads don't make sense? I have not. All I've right. only ever taken trains in Chicago. So, so in the middle of downtown Chicago, because like 50 years ago, I don't know when it was, they jacked up the city. I wasn't aware of that. There are parts of Chicago where you can be driving on a road and there's a road above you and below you. Huh. Good luck calling an Uber. Well, anyway, my city was exactly like that. Marissa's city was uh, slightly better, <laughs> but my city was like, okay. Shout so out to Marissa. You, you start at this train station. Okay, take the train here. It turns into a road. It turns into a train. It crosses under itself, turns back into a road. That's what? a mess. Oh, gosh. My city was real bad. Real, real bad. Having said that, I like this game quite a bit. I've heard several good things about it. Yeah. Rolling rights are pretty popular right now. They are. They are. Um... This one is a little thinky. It's a little thinky. And the first time that you play it, maybe you should uh, step back and think like, okay, the point of this game is to connect these exits. Don't worry about optimal placement of your roads because (laughs) it's okay to have blank spaces. It's okay. Not what I did. (laughs) I also played not the same kind of game but a very similar game overbooked where you are supposed to be uh, in charge of airline booking and placing passengers and you have these patterns and you put the disc in the specific pattern that's there and oh no maybe maybe you have to put a disc where there already is a disc well that's okay that person gets bumped off the flight because the flight's been overbooked even though there's a bunch of empty spaces around him so whatever the problem with this game is the rule book. So you score points if you have couples placed together, if you have children that are completely supervised, completely surrounded. But at no point in the book does it say what a child is. Huh. So we had to figure that out based on context from cards. And it's a white disc. So if you have a white disc and it's completely surrounded on all four orthogonally connected adjacent squares, it's considered completely surrounded and like supervised couples are the red ones. You have to have two of them next to each other, but you can't have three because, uh, we don't live in that kind of society. Now who makes these two games? Uh, railroad Inc is published here by Simon and overbooked. Ah, you know, I don't know. Uh, according to BGG, Random Skill Games or Jumbo. But I okay. don't specifically remember seeing a publisher on the box. Alrighty then. 
if you're going to play one of those two games and play Railroad Inc., I liked it a lot more than I liked Overbooked. They, they are very different mechanically, but they have the same kind of feel when you're thinking of how can I fit this here? How can I connect these guys without screwing everything up? Well, on that same note, thinky games that play kind of like that. I played on tour. Yeah. Which is from um, board, game, board tables. game tables, which I didn't even know they played. They made games. and Apparently yeah. they make three games. Yeah. There's, there's one on Kickstarter right now, which is cool. Uh, I really, it's a very thinky roll and write. So, and, and from Jared's description of railroad Inc, I would definitely say it's in that genre. So the way the game works is each turn or each round, three cards will be out on the table and they will highlight specific areas of the map of the United States. So like you might have one that's the north and you might have one that's the south and you might have one that's the northeast. So some of them might overlap. And on each of those cards, there's also a specific state in that, in that region that's circled. And then what you do... You have two pretty big sizable D10s. You roll those. And so say you have a nine and a six. Somewhere on my map of the United States, I have to place a 96. And somewhere on my map, I have to place a 69. Yeah. And if I'm able to place it in one of the states that are specifically pinpointed on one of the cards, I get to circle that number on my, on my map. And that gives me an extra point. So, so I think that is very similar to Welcome To, how you have to kind of plan ahead, but not plan too far ahead. Yeah, and it gets almost impossible at some point. So what you are doing at the end of the game and why you want to be careful about where you're placing these numbers is at when all 50 states are full. Actually, I would say all 48 states because Hawaii and Alaska are not part of it. Uh, so when all 48 states are full, you have to try to draw a continuous line that only goes through a state one time, starting with your lowest number, going up to your highest number. You are going to end, you, there's no way to, to go through all the numbers you've written. There's just no way. And especially towards the end of the game, you're going to be going, oh, well, uh, I'm going to have to put this number here because it doesn't, it's not legal to be put anywhere and it's going to completely block my way. So then at the, you get you get points for however many states you go through, and you mm -hmm. get additional points for however many of those were circled. Right. And that's it. It's uh, the idea, the theme of the game is that you're a band going yes. on tour yes. hence, in the United hence States. Hence on tour. On yeah. tour. Yeah, and uh, you're driving in a crappy little VW like van. Yeah, I think the components in this game are, are pretty awesome. So it comes with really, really nice dry erase like boards. Mm -hmm. And... And it, you can get oversized ones, or at least you could, I think. They're all pretty big. Yeah. Um, and you can get extra ones. Actually, they may have just made those oversized ones. Yeah, standard. they're pretty. They're pretty darn big. I think it was a stretch goal on the Kickstarter, but it okay. may just be everybody gets it. So you get that. You get the cards. You get these big dice. And what's really cool about the boards is that each of them have a different theme on them. So like one of them is a country band and one of them's a rock band. One of them's a jazz band. And the back of them have different like uh, spot, um, spot UV type graphics on them that go with that theme. So like uh, the jazz one had like saxophones and trumpets. And I had the rock one. I don't remember what was on the back of it. 
but uh, they're all different based on whatever theme your band is supposed to be. And down in the corner, you're supposed to like come up with a band name, which yeah, is just, the I best mean, part. it's really fun to come up with a band name. I named my, I, I had the rock band one and I named my band Free Beer because I figure if Free Beer is up on the marquee, everybody's going to want to come and see. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun. And it, it was a very thinky roll and write, but I enjoyed it. Uh, well, Jondi, speaking of games that I enjoyed, isn't that a great transition? Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so there's a couple of different games in this. Yeah, this is this is wrong. Don't worry about that. Um, there's a couple of different games in this, I guess, family. The so first came Castles of Mad King Ludwig, which was a like geometric tile placement game. You played the palace. Of Mad yes, King the, then came Palace. There's also Between Two Castles, which... Uh, These are all by Bezier Games. Well, probably. yes. Uh, well, Between Two Castles is co-published um, by Stonemeyer. But yeah, yeah, Bezier. Um, Palace. Palace of Mad King Lovemig is the one that I had not played, just because I'd never gotten around to it. I super liked it a lot. So... There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on in this game. But essentially what it boils down to is on your turn, you place a room into the castle. And if it completes another room, which is to say closes all of the exits of that room, you get a bonus. So the idea here is that you're cooperatively building this castle. But if the tile that you play is the final tile on that room, you get extra points there are, are moat tiles that go, and when they come from the left side of the board and the right side of the board, complete the moat. It triggers the end game. It's a top-down view of the castle. You've got all kinds of different rooms. There's tons of rooms. I don't know exactly how many tiles there are. Uh, it's it's great. The, the score on BGG does not, I think, fully represent how good this game is. It's got a 6.9 as of right now. Two to four players. I think it works super well with two players. It is kind of heavy. It is kind of a heavier game. There's quite a lot going on. But I think it's well worth slogging through the uh, not super well explained rule book. This is a game that I will buy and make you play. It came out in 2017. I don't know how I missed it. I knew that it, it was out there. I was just like, eh, Castles of Mad King Ludwig's, eh, it's all right. It's okay. It's fun. So they made a new one. So what? But because, again, being at Geekway, where they have these play and win games, I was like, okay, let's try it. My goal was to only play games that I had not played before from the play and win. And if I won a game, took one home, cool. This was one of the games I was like, yeah, I would not mind having that. Okay. Would not mind that at all. Got a lot of components. There's swans, which are the currency. There's everybody has a specific type of icon. So mine was like feathers. So there's a bunch of those. And when you build a room, you place the feather on there. If you complete the room, you flip it over so that it's got a colored side and a white side. And uh, if you build at least X amount of each type of room, you get bonus points. If you are the you've got the highest amount of blue swans, let's say, you may get a bonus point for that. If you've got the least amount of blue swans, you may have a bonus point for that. 
So there's a lot of ways to score, and each game is going to be different because there's uh, four favor tokens, I think is what they're called, and those are the the, the points that you want to try to attain that turn or that that game. But you can also buy them and have different advantages or disadvantages depending on what the board looks like at the time. And it's a, it's a lot, Jondi. There's a lot going on in this game. Okay. It's a midweight for sure. I'm okay with midweight games. I don't tend to like heavyweight games, mm-hmm. but... It's teetering on heavy. Palace of Mad King Ludwig. And I guess the, the, the last game that I played... Well, not the last game that I played, but the last one that we're going to talk about is a Days of Wonder game. So Asmodee continues to publish games. This one came out in 2018. Again, missed this one. It's called The River. It's a worker placement and tile placement hybrid. Okay. So you are a, a pioneer settling on the banks of this river. And uh, your, your player board, the river snakes around, so you have to snake the tiles around as well. You've got a community board because it's a worker placement. So maybe on your turn you want to get a tile from the center of the board. So you put your worker there. Or maybe you want to get some resources, so you put your worker there. Or maybe you want to build one of the in-game scoring towns, which is what you use the resources for. So you put your worker there. Maybe you want to get the first player marker, so you put your worker there. I mean, it's a pretty standard worker placement game. But it works really well with two players. Which is nice. Yeah, so I ended up getting a copy of this. The unique mechanic here is when you get resources... You can only get up to the number of resource icons you have built on your town. So if you want to like specifically get wood, you have to have wood icons. And you've built these barns on your board because that's where you have to store the wood. So you can't just say, like, oh, I'm going to get resources. You have to specifically say, okay, I have six brick resource icons on my map, and I have four warehouses. So maybe you've just done a really bad job or it's the beginning of the game. I don't know. So you collect those resources. Well, you can't store them all. You have to make a decision like, okay, I have to dump some of the resources. Makes sense. Yeah. And um, there's also turkey meeples. Ah, and, nice. Yeah, those are I love wild. Meeples. I love fun meeples. Yeah, those are the wild tokens. So maybe, okay, well, uh, I can't get anything specifically, so I'm just going to get this turkey and I can use it as a wild. As the game progresses, as you build your settlement, you lose workers. Oh. Because they leave to live there. They're like, ah, you, you continue on down the river. I'm going to stay here in this town that we just built. So in the fifth space on your board, the eighth space on your board, and then the 11th and 12th space on your board, you lose a worker. Bummer. But if you build the second card, you get a worker. Which I can see that being very helpful. Yeah, so towards the end of the game, uh, you're, you're out of workers. You're not going to have any workers. But that's okay, because once someone has built the 12th settlement, the game ends anyway. The game also ends uh, if you build all of the building carts. Okay. That are on the side of the side of the board. In a two-player game, it's a different number than it is for a three- and four-player game. So it has the board, the main board, and your worker boards are both double-sided. So it works... Works well with two players or three or four players. All right. End up buying that one. Oh, okay. Well, I'd try it. Yeah. 
we also either bought some games or saw some games that we were interested in that we just didn't get around to. Yes. And, and Geekway does a really cool thing. They have a game design contest. And if you win the game design contest, every attendee of Geekway in a future year will get a copy of your game. Well, that's because you're ignoring the coolest part for designers. Yeah. If you win the contest, you are guaranteed that Indie Boards and Cards will publish your game. Yeah. So this year, everyone got Among Thieves, designed by Floyd Pretz, which was the 2017 design contest winner. So it's set in the uh, the dystopian universe, which is the, the Resistance universe. Uh, we didn't... I, I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Um, but... I did not bring home a copy, but we will play it and we'll talk about it in, in one of the upcoming episodes. I like the art in it a lot. Too. Yeah. The art is, it's different and it's really cool. Uh, let me just put that there. Also, if you follow us on Twitter or you follow Bezier games on Twitter, you may already know this. They had a really cool scavenger hunt type contest to win a copy of one of their new games, Cabo, got one of those. So I looked at, a, at their post on Twitter, and it said something along the lines of, like, giving myself the royal treatment or something like that. And that was, that was the hint for where they had hidden one of these oversized cards. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, what Bezier game are they talking about? Well, Castles of Mad King Ludwig. So I went to the, the Geekway library, opened the game, and there was a cool little token in there. Took that to the Bezier booth. They gave me a copy of Cabo. Very cool. Which we have not played. They did tweet a picture of, and, and, and tagged each chit and dice. We were really yes. excited about that. And uh, we reshared that post on our Instagram. Yep. Yep. Um, just I, I watched uh, a cursory playthrough of the game, and it seems pretty cool, but haven't played it enough to go into depth. Well, I haven't played it at all, but I watched someone else play. Um, we also uh, were looking at End of the Trail, mm-hmm. which... Uh, From Elf Creek? Yes. It looks like, just just by glancing anyway, it looks like it's some sort of tile, another tile placement, maybe worker placement style game. Yeah, so I have played this. I played it at, I want to say, it was at Gen Con? Last year, they did a, uh, no, it was at Origins. It was at Origins because I had to get escorted through through the bouncer because he uh, said that I wasn't on the list. The, right. the, the list that yeah. he had, okay. which was just Got it. Dice Tower people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a prospecting game. So it takes place in the, the Wild West during the Gold Rush. And... Um, yeah, it's it, it's a poker, press your luck, auction, hand management. There's a lot going on. There's memory because you can peek at the tiles and know like, okay, I, I'm prospecting. I see what's there. Or do I want to go there? Do I want to place a settlement there? I think you would love this game, John D. I'm so excited to play it. We will play it. We'll have we'll you have and I a, will play it. I've played it. We'll have like a Western, uh, Wild West ish episode at some point. Yes, um, and at some point. We'll we'll have some some more information about this game. Yeah. So stay so tuned. So let's let's talk art though on this game real quick. Yeah. So I think for the most part, 
sleeves for boxes are super lame and pointless. Mm-hmm. And I usually take them off the box and promptly throw them away. Yeah. However, they did one for this game that is kind of cool. It's still useless. Um, it's still dumb to have a, sl- a, a box sleeve. The only the only purpose I can see them serving really is keeping the game like the pieces of the box together if you're traveling or whatever. Yeah. But they did a real cool thing with their with the sleeve for this game. It looks like a wagon, like a covered wagon, and you actually want you have to assemble it when you get it. But you you actually put wagon wheels on the sleeve and they actually turn. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. It's it's pretty cool. Again, it's still just a sleeve, but it's one that I won't throw away for a change. Mm-hmm. And there's real cool meeples if you have yes. the um, exclusive. I, I don't think it was a hundred. It was it wasn't exclusive. It's but it's like the Kickstarter. Yeah, it's the edition like, deluxe version. The deluxe version or mm-hmm. whatever. So if you have the deluxe version, it has real cool meeples with it. Yeah, you know, there's like tent meeples. Yeah. And- they're really cool. There's like tent meeples and like little Western dudes yeah. and, and they're not like just shaped. They actually have screen printing on them. So they're yeah, pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And then John D found, uh, if you're a long time listener to this podcast, you know that I love games that have really wacky themes. Yeah. And wacky being, there's not a huge genre for these themes or at least there weren't when, Jared first gets turned on to the yeah. themes. Like I think the emergency worker, like police and um, am, ambulance people or paramedics or whatever, wasn't as big of a theme when you first got turned on to it. And now it's, it's gotten pretty big. Yeah. So I found a game from R&R Games called Home Stretch. It is about horse racing. And I immediately thought, huh, Jared will like this. This is a pretty different theme. So I have a copy of it, and I am really looking forward to playing it, and then we'll come back and discuss it later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, absolutely, absolutely play this game. Now, when I play it, I may be like, eh, not exactly what I was expecting. Maybe. Or maybe you'll go, maybe this I'll go, is wow. real cool. Yeah. So look forward to that, too, I guess, huh? Okay, well, this is, you know, not, not gone on quite as long as I expected it to since this timer is wrong. So let's talk about some food. St. Louis has some interesting food options. It does. And, you know, we're supposed to talk about food sometimes yeah. in the podcast. So perfect opportunity to do that. I really like when I'm traveling and I travel a lot. I like to eat at places that I can't eat at home. Yes. Which means I generally look for either regional chains or locally owned restaurants. And I feel like I find a lot of really gems. Like sometimes I might find a dud, but for the most part, I get to eat some really great food that I wouldn't have eaten otherwise. Yeah. And St. Louis is full of these. So uh, one that we went to together is called Salt and Smoke. And it's down in the St. Charles Historic District, which is a really cool area anyway. It's got like this really cool like brick street. Mm. I mean, I I probably I didn't like driving on it, (laughs) but walking along there and like seeing everything is it's it's very it's a very historic area. It's down on the I think the Missouri River. Mm -hmm. So here's what my recommendation would be. There's also one on Del Mar in the loop where the streets 
aren't going to give you whiplash. If you're at Geekway, Del Mar's really far to drive when the historic district is five minutes. And I really enjoyed the experience of going down there. The, the experience of driving on that road? Well, you don't have to drive on the road. There's all kinds of side roads you can park on. Yeah, there's also the, the trolley. Yeah. I guess yeah. you could have taken the, the trolley. But but uh, overall, I ate at two places down in the historic district. Yeah. But the one that we ate together was called Salt and Smoke. And mm-hmm. it's a barbecue restaurant. And it was really good. Yes. Like everything I had was perfect. Um, I, I had pulled chicken. I with... had. What did you have? For, what sides did you have? Um, coleslaw. And I don't remember. What did I have? I don't remember. Oh, I had the fries that oh, were fried yeah. in beef tallow. Right, right. And you said they were real good. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. thinking of them as a, I was like, did I have a bowl on some, like, cause the coleslaw came in a bowl. The macaroni came in a bowl. Oh, a let's ramekin. talk about that macaroni. So it was macaroni and cheese, uh, white cheese with crackers. Why's it gotta be white cheese and crackers? Oh my God. Anyway, it was so good. Like it was still macaroni and cheese, which I generally like It's hard to like mess anyway. up mac and cheese. But then it had, it has like this extra texture in it from the crackers and they're, it's just really flavorful. It was really good. If you have texture issues, you might not like it, but it was, it was fantastic and I loved it. Uh, I also had, they had a, a, um, I can't remember what was in it. There was a chili that I had and it, mm-hmm. it was good. It wasn't my favorite, but I, I, it was very, very good. And I had the burnt ends and pulled pork and they were both perfect. The burnt ends, it's hard. Like you don't always find places that do burnt ends right. And this was completely right. It was so good. So that's a place I definitely want to eat at again next year. Okay. Well, uh, it's not a St. Louis transit trans transition, tra- uh, tradition, but if I'm in St. Louis and I want some pizza now, I know this is a super sensitive subject, but let me just stop you there because this isn't St. Louis style pizza. No, which is gross pie. And there's three or four of them. There used to be one closer to St. Charles, but it's in Kirkland, but it's gone. And pie spelled like the P-I. math equation. So you will have to go down to Del Mar because it is the closest one. But it's oof, worth the drive. It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. They have a thicker crust. It's not like Chicago style thick crust. It's not lasagna thick crust. I like that John D said we only went to one restaurant together. Oh, that's true. We did go to mm-hmm. another one. Um, it's it, they have this this thicker cornmeal crust. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. And it's so I good. I at first I was like okay this is this is gonna be super weird. It is so it's good. so good. It's Excellent. We brought a friend of ours with us that's from New York, and he's always telling me that there's no such thing as pizza outside of the Northeast of the United States. And so I really wanted him to go to pie. And he said that it was it only resembled pizza in look, but he did really like it. Yeah. He just said that he wouldn't call it pizza because he's a stuck-up New York pizza snob. But he did really enjoy it. And... uh. Yeah, I didn't get to go there last year, but I went there the year before when Jared introduced me to it. And I specifically had said I wanted to go there this year, and I'm, it's worth the drive. Yeah, I yeah it's so it. good. It's so good. Well, if you're, if you're already down in the loop, there's also, let me move this here, a taco restaurant that is Korean Fusion. 
Yeah, it's called Seoul Taco. Seoul Taco spelled, spelled like, like the city. Seoul, Korea. I it was okay. Like we went there. It was was it last year or the year before that we went there? I think you went there last year. I it's okay. I don't think it's worth the extra drive. If I'm going to be in the loop anyway, sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was worth it. It's a if you ever watch the Great Food Truck Race. The people that run Soul Taco won the Great Food Truck Race race one year, and after a while they couldn't their their business was growing so much that they couldn't do it out of a food truck anymore. So it's a restaurant now instead yeah. of a food truck. And there's a food truck uh, exterior yeah. glued to the wall. Yeah, it's real cool. But I mean, it was okay. I didn't think that it was bad by any means. I just don't think it was worth the drive. Mm. Well, I got a kimchi burrito, a bulgogi beef kimchi burrito. Yum, 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 yum. So good, Jondi. Don't know why you hate it. But you don't oh really like God. spicy food that much. I didn't say I hate it. I actually ate Korean food yesterday. What? What? Yep, I ate bulgogi and kimchi yesterday. What? So. Why didn't you tell me? Because I was eating with family. F- Jondi, you're saying I'm not family? Well, I mean, yeah. I'm not, but. <laughs> right. Like. You're one of my best friends, but no, you are not family. Thank God I'm not related to you. I'll, I'll remember this next yep. time I go to f- get, get Korean food. You do that. All right. Well, I didn't eat at this other place that you went. Well, you went to Fuzzies, which yeah. you anytime there's a Fuzzies in the town that you're at, you always want to go to Fuzzies. I mean, it's... It's a chain restaurant, but yeah. it's good. Like, if you want a chain restaurant uh, Mexican food, I mean, it's like a hundred times better than Taco Bell. I would say a thousand times better than Taco yeah. Bell. Yeah. It, you don't need to eat it while sitting on the toilet. Right. So. Yeah, um, I didn't go there this year, but I do like it. I will, I'll, if I go to Origins, I'll go there. Yeah, because it's across the street. Yeah. From, yeah. But this other place I went to in the historic district was called Braddon's. And it's just, uh, you know, American fare type food. Uh, I had a BLT with avocado that was delicious. And I had with it a cup of lobster bisque that was also very good. And I had like a gooey butter cake for for dessert and if you have never had st louis gooey butter cake get in your car right now drive to st louis and have some because it's so good it's way sweet and you won't don't want more than one piece but it's really good so yeah that's just some of the fare in st louis that we enjoyed yeah all right well do you do you do you want to should we talk about kickstarters now well, sure. Got Why not? a couple not? Kickstarters. Not, you know, nothing fancy this time. It's more of a, a PSA. Yeah. I, for, for the record, I'm not backing anything because my budget's blown and there's nothing that I really, that's really telling me I have to back this game. Uh, with that said, though, there's a Space Invaders board game. Yeah. I loved that game when I was, when I was a kid. So... I at least, you know, was like, ooh, I have my eye on this. Yep, uh, I'm backing this. I got the last uh, early bird deluxe edition. Snagged, snagged that at uh, $20 less than than the regular price. Um, this this one's interesting. It It is very much the arcade game. But uh, but on a board. Yeah, it it looks like looks like it'll be fun, but more like fun for nostalgia reasons. Yeah, yeah, which like, is why I got, like, got that. 
I, I would not have backed this for $75. Which is why I'm not backing it because usually if I back a Kickstarter, I want I want the deluxe version. Right. And I, I don't think that this is worth $75. No. But I do think it'll be, for nostalgia reasons, it'll probably be a fun enough game to play once or twice. Kind of like Fireball Island. Yeah. Fireball Island, in my opinion, isn't the greatest game in the world, but it's got great table presence and it's fun once or twice yeah. for nostalgia. So Space Invaders, the board game, the way it works is you shuffle all the cards and the cards have powers, but on the back of the cards, it's, you know, the Space Invaders, Invaders. Um, you, so you shuffle them all. You've got your little, your little laser guys that you can shoot at them to get the cards um, and then stuff moves around. They move down as they would in the arcade game. I, yeah, I, I Johnny's right. I can't say backing this for $75 is worth it, but they have, they have a non deluxe version for $30, which I think is more reasonable for what you're getting. The early bird $55 deluxe, I think is, is worth paying for the, the deluxified, but yeah. Forty-five more dollars for the updated uh, or upgraded deluxe version? No. Pass. No. They also have a thousand-dollar pledge where you get a diorama. No. Yeah. Pass. No. But that's enough about that one. Uh, there's one to be excited about from Indie Boards and Cards. Yeah. This is the fourth game in this universe. Yep. Kodama. This one is 3D. So you're building instead of cards, you've got little pieces of tree that you slot together to build a tree. So there's tree trunks for f up to four players. There's right now there's 64 branch. Uh, they're not tiles. They're calling them tiles, but they're not tiles. They're tree branch parts. And then there's the goal cards. This, this is going to be a lot of fun. You can, yeah, I agree. You can get the, the pledge levels. You can get the previous games if you've missed them, along with some promos. This is going to be a really cute game. It's going to have some interesting table presence. And this one is worth backing. Yeah, I, I think mean, so. And, and it's not like there's just one level for the game. They don't have like some crazy deluxe version. Mm -hmm. The upper levels, like the more expensive levels, let you choose games that are in the universe that were printed previously. So. Yeah. You know, if you only want to be in for the one game, you have that option. And there's not like a $20 more for a deluxe version. It's just this game. Right. And it's it's worth backing, definitely. Well, and, and I do like... Okay, so let's just talk about this real quick. Okay, so for $24, you get the new game. For $39, you get this game plus your choice of one of the previous games. Either Kodama the Tree Spirits, Kodama Duo, which is the two-player version. Uh, Kokoro, which was not originally part of it, but they change the art a little bit and so it fits in for $52 you get the new game and two of those and for $65 the, the, again not a sponsor but this is an amazing deal it's a really good deal four you games won't, you won't be able to get all those games if you go directly to them at a convention or if you go to uh, Amazon you're not going to get them for that price you probably may not even get them for that much uh, if you went to like miniature market no no I don't think you would so Having said that, both of these will be linked in in the episode notes on our website. So check that out or search for it on your own. You know, I don't care if you click our link, but definitely look at them. Yep, for sure. 
And then I have one other uh, interesting bit of news that I'm not sure how I feel about. There is going to be a Dungeons and Dragons Rick and Morty version. That's real dumb. So it's called Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Morty because they they recently did a comic book from IDW that was called that. Um, But this one is called Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Morty colon tabletop role playing game adventure. It's for up to five players and it's going to run you through fifth edition from level one to level three. I think they're doing this as a way to say, hey, you are a Rick and Morty fan. You read that comic that we did. How about trying to play Dungeons and Dragons? This will get you to level three. And then after that, whatever, buy a different product. John D is not a fan of Rick and Morty fans, which I think is a fair stance to take. Correct. Um, I, I, I'm interested in playing this. Uh, I, I want to check it out. I happen to know Jeremy would probably be willing to play it with you. He loves yeah. Rick and Morty. I do not. I I like Rick and Morty. I don't. Rick grosses me out. I, yes, that's fair. I, I don't necessarily want to associate with the majority of the fandom, but I would play this. I would absolutely check check this out when it comes out sometime. Do you 2019. know the main reason I would not play it with you and Jeremy? Um, because you don't like Dungeons and Dragons. No, that's not even the main reason. Mm. Because, because you we'd and be Jeremy super annoying would, yeah. doing the voices. Yeah. Like when we play Castle Panic. Yes. When we play uh, Brick and Mortar. Yes. Oh <laughs> my God, that's the main reason why I would not play it. All right. Well, that's fair. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird idea. I don't know exactly what the box is going to be like. Does it? Is it a starter set? Does it come with dice that you would need? Does it come with D and D sized Rick and Morty pawns? I like, would what are we hope looking at here? That they take advantage of that theme and just go all in. With yeah, it. I would be very interested in buying this. If nothing else, then to have some interesting rules. Right. To port over to 5th edition. Like, uh, there's going to be dimensional travel in this. Okay. So, being able to say, like, okay, yeah, there's rules for dimensional travel in D&D now. Okay. Fair. Like, oh, yeah, there's there's rules in D&D for laser guns now. There's rules for whatever. If nothing else, to have that, I will buy this, depending on the price. If it's 20 bucks and you get some cool dice and some unique rules, sure. If it's $50... You'll be more, you'll put more thought into it. Yeah, I'll think about it more. It won't be an insta-buy at that point. Right, right. Well, I think that's everything we have to talk about. So until next time. Until next time, John D. You you can eat chit and dice. Bye-bye. Eat Chit and Dice is an independent production of Swin Media and is distributed under a Creative Commons license, attribution, non-commercial, share alike, 4.0, international.